0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the show. In today's episode, I have Jodi Lai back to give us her breakdown of one of the coolest auto shows on the planet, the Paris Motor Show. So we were serendipitously in Paris at the same time, but I unfortunately did not get to attend the show and I thought it'd be an amazing opportunity for someone as well-versed in the auto industry as Jody to tell us about what she saw and what she thought about the whole experience. So for those of us who love to live vicariously through others as much as I do, please do enjoy the Paris Motor Show through Jody's eyes and ears and mind in this episode. Maybe next year you'll plan to make a trip out there yourself. I'm your host, Trevor Byrne, and this is the Bucket Seat Podcast. Tonight with the lovely Jody Lai. So Jody, thank you for returning to the show again. It's your second appearance on the show.
1: Thanks for having me back. Well, yeah,
0: this is great. And I mean, we went through the first episode and we got to know how things kind of started for you. Right. And now that you've come back, we get to talk about all the things that you're up to and some more current stuff, which I love being able to do with um, a lot of the recurring guests who come back. Awesome. And you drove here tonight in something pretty special because I heard it while I was getting ready for this podcast and I ran up to the front door (laughs) and I peeked out the window because I knew that there was something lurking uh, in front of my home. So what was it? Let everybody know that you're driving today.
1: Uh, So I just picked up a Dodge Challenger Hellcat and it's the wide body so it's basically what happens when you can't get a demon (laughs) you kind of settle for this one
0: (laughs) right and they and so what is the claim to fame for the wide body? Is it just that they are, is it an aesthetic only or what's their, what's uh, their pitch on it? So
1: it does get suspension upgrades, but they basically just take the Hellcat and the wide body package is like a $10,000 upgrade. You get the wow. the big old fenders, yeah. uh, which pretty much come straight from the Demon. And then mm. it does get some suspension upgrades, but like, let's not kid ourselves. It doesn't do much. <laughs> yeah, it,
0: It's meant for a straight line. Exactly. Um, but I mean, I like the I like the idea that they've made it to try to go around corners too. So, you know, kudos to them. I and-
1: mean, it's not as bad as maybe you've heard, but the conditions outside have been particularly unfriendly for a car like this. It's been right. rainy and cold, yeah. <laughs> and it's still on summer tires, so it's really sketchy sometimes.
0: <laughs> I know. I was going to get batteries for my recording device here for the show, and it was kind of starting to snow a little bit and Whoa. i thought oh yeah i mean for the hellcat it's perfect i mean tons of grip all-wheel oh, yeah, drive grip right for, <laughs> for days oh it's
1: so much fun though it's just one yeah. of those cars where it's it's so dumb and it doesn't make any sense but it, I, I love it so much yeah there, it's so much fun there's nothing else like it on the market
0: yeah every time i see one it makes me smile. I, I love those things. And I know it's just the epitome of just that raw re- rear wheel drive monstrosity. I think yeah. that they've obviously gone for with it.
1: Yeah. And I enjoy that. It just takes a lot of effort to drive. Like it really <laughs> requires your full attention because you can really easily screw it up. So, you know, ham-fisted people might not really enjoy this, but I, I've been really liking it. It's, it's dramatic and it's old school and people go nuts over it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is really dramatic, isn't people, it?
1: People go way more nuts over it than if I was driving like a supercar,
0: right? Huh? No yeah. kidding. I've
1: gotten the craziest reactions in in the in the Hellcat.
0: And is it? It's red, right?
1: It's yeah. It's like a dark red, yeah, like a burgundy almost. Uh, yeah.
0: And the sound it makes oh, is it's
1: so good. Just like doing a cold start every morning, and, I, and I'm in a parking garage, right? So it just like <laughs> rattles the whole place. <laughs> right. Oh, it's so good.
0: I guess not a lot of people really have aftermarket security systems anymore like when you used to have a loud car right. you drive by and it would set and people's all the alarms, alarms go off. on <laughs> it doesn't really happen anymore does it
1: not so much although no. we were revving it uh really close to a window and the window was shaking a lot <laughs> and so i was actually afraid that it was going to explode oh my god yeah
0: i um how long do you have it for
1: uh for a week oh that's so yeah. awesome
0: um the is there a demon in the press fleet in Canada? No, okay.
1: they're like impossible to get, uh, and I'd it heard. would be pretty ridiculous to try to get a demon on the press fleet just because there there's a wait list for them. They're very expensive. Yeah, um, yeah. So they're and they can't make enough of them to keep up with demand. Right. <laughs> That's
0: awesome. And they're they're made in Oshawa? Is that where they're made?
1: Um. No, in Brampton. I thought oh, Brampton.
0: Brampton. Sorry. Yeah. Right. 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 Of course. Um. I mean, that's something to be proud of.
1: It's a really nice Canadian story. Yeah.
0: And like for the epitome of the American muscle scene right now yeah. yeah it's actually it's I mean it's it's assembled in Canada
1: yeah I think that's really cool and also like the Ford GTs yeah. built here like oh. Canadians are up to a whole bunch of cool stuff
0: yeah so that was Larry Holt from Multimatic yeah. and the, that GT team are doing just amazing things Brilliant yeah, people. I, I, there are so many great little hidden gems in Canada that I think are often overlooked so yeah for
1: totally. all of our American
0: listeners out there we have cool stuff too all right we can be <laughs> (laughs) Cool. Okay. (laughs) So Jody and I crossed over um, the Atlantic, and we missed each other by maybe about a day in Paris. I was there with family, and um, Jody was in town for the Paris Motor Show this year. That's right. It's on my top five must-do list, and unfortunately, we were just leaving Paris when uh, the show was starting. And I thought maybe it was a bit inappropriate me for me to leave my family vacation, let them go <laughs> three hours south on the high-speed train while I hung around and checked out the auto show on my own a bit. Only because both of my kids were with my wife and that would have been awful to do to her. But... <laughs> so anyways, I want to live vicariously through you. Sure, I'll tell you all about it. And I would love to hear about your experiences at the Paris Motor Show this year, so in 2018. So... Have you been before?
1: Yes, this is my second time at the Paris Motor Show. Nice. Uh, and it's always a lot of fun because a you get to see all the cool French cars that we don't get in Canada Um uh, they go real big because it's their home show. So it's always really entertaining um, just to see what they have that we don't get. Mm-hmm. This year was a little bit different. It was actually a very quiet show. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of automakers just didn't show up to the show. A lot of big ones, too, like yeah. Volkswagen, Nissan, weren't there. Um, I mean, their affiliates from the company were there, but it was a pretty big deal that they weren't. And so it was a pretty quiet show. Yeah. Who um, else? I mean,
0: I, I wrote it down because it shocked me. Like, So Ford, Volvo, Volkswagen, Mazda, and Nissan in, you know, it's like it's Carlos Ghosn's backyard. Yeah. And he doesn't have the Nissan brand there. It yeah. Just, I mean, what do you make of that?
1: Um, I think it's pretty indicative of what's just happening to auto shows in general, you know, with Detroit becoming so small and now moving to June, like right. that's yeah, a massive deal. It's the first time they've ever changed the time of the Detroit auto show. And it's because people keep, or, uh, uh car manufacturers just keep dropping out. Yeah. And so I think it's becoming less and less important from a media standpoint, mm-hmm. because like you, you can cover an auto show from a desk. You don't have to be there. Right. The only, the only real reason I enjoy going to auto shows, uh, as a journalist is to talk to engineers or designers. Designers or mm-hmm. um, automotive executives who can kind of give me like cool nuggets or scoops. Um, but otherwise, you don't need to be there to cover product launches and stuff like that. So you can cover it from anywhere in the world. Right. And so, but from from a consumer standpoint, the Paris Motor Show still had like 2 million people visit or something like that. Wow. Um, so it's really important for people just to go around and kick tires and stuff like that, but maybe not so important for people like me. <laughs>
0: Right. So it's still, it's existing or it's serving its purpose as a consumer show then still more so even than the kind of industry show.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I saw it last year and I know that it it happened in L.A. when we went out um, with Subaru and their team. Um, A lot of the events were happening off site from the actual auto shows. Like they weren't doing any of their big reveals at the show. They were doing it the night before, two nights before. Right holding their own or hosting their own private events and making their own big kind of like, well, there's a lot of fanfare around it. So right. it's all changing. And I think you're right, is that I, I actually start looking to other non-automotive shows for big news. Like when you look at the Consumer Electronics Show exactly. and you see what's happening there, like so much around the technology and what's happening from that perspective is being showcased there instead of at these auto shows and I think the auto shows are slowly meeting their demise as yeah a place to go see the base Camry that you can get <laughs> for you know but that you're interested in cuz it's a real car that yeah. real consumers want to see.
1: It's it's interesting because auto shows <sighs> I, I still love going to them, but it's it's all about beating the news cycle, right? So that's why people keep doing the events outside of the yep. auto show like one or two nights before. It's because they're trying to get ahead of that news cycle. And so people just end up getting buried. Um, and even if they have an event one or two nights before, it doesn't mean that they're going to get the press because there are probably like two or three other automakers doing the exact same thing. Right. Right? So automakers are now going to... Different markets, like E3, for example. Oh yeah, okay. So people will debut the gaming, yeah, exactly. So people will debut like a new M5 or something at E3, and they'll invite all the gaming community, but none of the automotive community. And it makes a lot of sense because they're just trying to hit different audiences that they're not used to getting. And so by doing something different like that, not going the traditional route of inviting automotive journalists, you're getting a whole new bunch of people who might be interested in your product. Yeah that normally wouldn't get that news, right?
0: Totally. And I th- I think that we've transformed or the way that we the way that we share news has transformed so much recently because of I I don't want to say it's because of the, you know, air-quote influencers, but <laughs> But there are a lot of people from a lot of varying industries that are starting to do the kind of crossover work that normally was industry specific. And you would have an industry professional, not that they're not professionals in their own right, but an industry professional taking that on and exclusively writing about it. Whereas now you get someone who's going to write about Watches in one, you know, publication. They're going to write about supercars in the other. They're going right. to write about yachts in one, and they're going to write about all the amazing travel that they do and the cool hotels and the places to see across exactly. the world. And they become kind of well-rounded storytellers about their lives. Yeah. And I mean, I'm still all for the specialists because that's kind of my, you know, that's totally like why Yeah. And, and I mean, to a certain extent, what you do as well, where you're like, we are really, really, really good in our day jobs at this, but it doesn't mean outside of our day job, we can't still have fun in all of these other worlds. We just don't necessarily get paid for it.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think the problem with the automotive industry is that the a lot of the experts, only other experts listen to those experts. Uh-huh. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, right. <laughs> mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. just by inviting in new people, and I think by making everything more accessible to different audiences that we're not used to, we can get more people into cars, maybe. It doesn't have to be such a closed off, tight community like the more people we can invite in I think the better it gets
0: that's such a good point (laughs) is you know the professionals are really speaking to the professionals exactly you get a you get a bit of that spill if those professionals I I say in particular um Doug DeMuro um, as a name because he's figured out his formula for web video mm-hmm. and even just the way that he titles his videos and the way that he captions them and and the way that they are then found on the internet consumers yeah. are eating it up because when they're searching for a review on a car you're like oh that's that guy yeah. the, the most thorough you know, piece by piece review of cars on the internet.
1: Right. But I know people who have zero interest in cars and they're like, hey, Jody, did you hear about Doug DeMiro? I'm like, yeah, I know. And I roll my eyes because I'm like, I know yeah. who he is and he's great. Yeah. But like people who don't care about cars love Doug.
0: I, isn't that wild? I mean, there's something charismatic about his personality sure, yeah. and the way he tells his story. And I think sometimes he tells his stories that, to me, they're comical, and I think to a lot of people they are, but I don't know that he necessarily meant for them to be that right. way, which is also <laughs> honest. And I think it's a, it's, a, um, it's a nice characteristic that he has that keeps people coming back and yeah. watching. But he's getting a ton of views. Oh, I know, it's like crazy. millions in yeah. seconds. It's yeah. crazy. Like, I'm very
1: jealous of his success because people also just love him to bits. Yeah. But he's worked hard for it. And I mean, I, I really respect that he's just bringing in a lot of new people yep. that maybe we wouldn't have reached before.
0: I mean, it made me happy seeing him in Toronto with the Bugatti Chiron, right? I think it was. I don't know. I mean, that he, was recently. Yeah, it was recently, and I think it was from the owner. I went and saw that car up at um, Engineered Automotives, um, Cars and Coffee earlier this year, and cool. it was sitting out there. And the owner, I mean, there's an, a very um, charismatic owner himself uh, that called the Happy Hippie. That's and his he, name. Yeah. He, well, I mean, it's like his like Instagram, you know, oh. handle. But he's always wearing tie-dyed shirts, and he's got you know like the big like Coke bottle glasses, and he has this place up in um, King City with a ridiculous stable of cars. Huh. And there's lots of stories that circulate of how he got his money and family and automotive and manufacturing and him working hard and him not working hard, all kinds of different stories. <laughs> I don't know what the truth is, but um, it just makes yeah, it more one. fascinating. Yeah, and I think his, I think his. Uh, license plate is a vanity plate that is I think it says low on funds or low funds is the actual yeah it's pretty pretty good um okay so sorry we got distracted but in a really good way um (laughs) still talking about Paris Motor Show um does it have all the fanfare of like a big VIP and gala night do you get invited to that kind of stuff like how does that all roll out in Paris I, I always think of it as a very you know glamorous and romantic idea of, a, of an auto show because it's in paris like does it live up to that
1: not really i feel like um especially for me because i'm part of the north american media even if there was a big gala i wouldn't be invited to it right okay. so, so i get invited to a lot of the stuff that happens in north america so like the LA auto show mm-hmm. uh, even detroit they always have these big parties and like pre-events and so we always go to those but in for the european auto shows it doesn't really happen for us gotcha yeah okay and 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 in in all honesty, they're getting harder and harder for us to justify even going all Mm -hmm. the way over there just to cover it. Right. So I know
0: there's so many affiliates that could help cover and bring it back. And yeah, it makes, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, we talked about Paris fashion week. I wanted to know if there was any crossover while you were there at the show.
1: Um, not really. Um, there was a bit at the New York auto show though, which Mm. happened in September. Okay. And so Kia decided to debut their new Telluride SUV oh, at yeah, a fashion okay. show.
0: Interesting pairing. It was
1: a very strange pairing, but I can't remember the name of the designer. It might be Brandon Maxwell. Okay. And he had a new like Texas themed fashion line coming up. Oh, and wow. so I guess somehow they figured out, hey, we should team up with Kia so they could debut <laughs> their car. Um, it was just a very strange pairing but i i get it too because it's just again trying to reach people you would never get
0: yeah totally interesting yeah we saw a few like the the tail end of some of the big shows that were excuse me actually on the Sen, and um it was over the top i mean it was completely over the top like the big like floating barges with Insane light arrays and thousands of people crowded on every bridge and on the riverbanks on both sides yeah. Just trying to catch a glimpse of what was happening. It was pretty cool.
1: It's it's crazy there So, uh, it's funny So while I was in paris, my boyfriend was also there, but he was covering uh, the fashion week Oh no kidding. And I was covering the auto show, which is funny And so I we were staying together But I barely saw him all day because he would have been in the scrum trying to get pictures of those people who were over the top and Of course peacocking back and forth in their amazing <laughs> outfits.
0: Yeah, and outfits even just seeing some of the um um some of the models uh in transit between the shows yeah. uh, we were riding the big red bus because I think it's a great way to see the city it sometimes is, yeah especially um, if you have kids especially with kids and we ended up using it almost like a taxi because we got a two-day pass for nice. it it was awesome um even just seeing some of the outfits um as they were passing just they all looked so surreal I mean Magnus I mean my son was looking at the top of the bus like what is that he didn't even have the words to express his disbelief it was amazing That's so funny <laughs> yeah um okay so back to the cars highlights of the show um what were some of the highlights for you
1: okay i think uh the bmw 3 series the all-new generation mm-hmm. debuted at the paris motor show and that was probably the most important debut of the show um though i i don't really think it's that exciting i mean it, it has a lot of cool tech and stuff like that and it's obviously going to be like an exquisite car I can't deny that it's just not mm-hmm. very exciting and so the one car that came out at the auto show that I loved was actually a Peugeot concept car
0: oh uh, it was called on. the
1: e-legend
0: and is it the one that almost looks like an old Datsun yeah, yeah. That's like exactly an old 510 yeah yeah oh, and awesome.
1: so that was the greatest thing that ever came out at that show and it's all electric and autonomous oh wow um and i loved it even though it was kind of contrary to what car people are supposed to like right Right, yeah but i think we're very nostalgic for old school design Mm -hmm. and so if if people if big manufacturers came out with a electric car that looked as cool as that maybe more car people would be into it
0: i agree with you on that yeah if they they make a strong
1: style statement like remember when the um honda urban ev came out
0: hmm why am i it was not... like a little
1: white hatchback it looked like the first civic
0: and it's so was that before insight before yes. the insight
1: yes and it was a concept oh. car and now they've confirmed that they're going to produce it but not for our not for our market of course because we don't get anything nice
0: <laughs> interesting
1: yeah look it up you're gonna love um, it it's so cute
0: sorry my internet is still down i'm gonna That's look so it up frustrating. For you,
1: and i'm gonna show you because it's amazing oh Okay, so it's this. Oh, oh my
0: God. Yes. Oh,
1: And it was also an all electric car and I I, I loved it.
0: There's something about the aesthetic of that, that, that the Peugeot that you just mentioned and the the Datsun, which was debuted in Detroit maybe five years ago. Oh God, it's so good.
1: Right? I just, the proportions were all right. The design is great. It's not overwrought. Like I would drive that even if it was an EV.
0: I don't know i i can't i can't remember the the datsun one that i just keep remembering I think it's is,
1: called the idx it was, a it was nissan exactly concept. what it was it was yeah. an idx An yeah.
0: idx right yes nissan yes <laughs> um and the way yeah right i just kept on saying datsun but yeah we all um, know it's the same thing there's something about that those three cars though that that design language with the, almost the it almost looks like a Challenger Charger front, yeah. Like you know that that kind of very rectangular, Which is very retro, yeah. Round lights. Sometimes the tops of those lights are cut off. I don't know why that's such an attractive design language, but and, and it never really makes it into production.
1: Never. And I think that's a huge misstep.
0: Yeah. I, I figure
1: if, if they created more cars that look like that, I think a lot more people would be interested.
0: <laughs> yeah. How about? I mean, when I was there, when I was there, I saw so many, and I want to say that there are Citroen. The Citron cactus, the
1: cactus with the air bombs on the side. <laughs> oh my God, I it's love so that car. And
0: I was looking at it, and I'm like, "Why is there anything about that that I'm attracted to?" But there's something attractive about yeah, it.
1: Yeah, I think the French brands have some of the coolest designs right now. Yeah, they some... go they go kind of crazy with stuff. They don't care. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's everything that I saw when I was in Paris was very, very subdued, very like super, super subdued. And there was nothing flashy about anything I saw. Right. Just super functional a little bit funky and diesel all diesel all all day long tons of wagons all it was was diesel yeah so many great wagons i took a picture of a chevy cruise wagon when i was there of all cars to take a picture of i was like this is amazing though we need these back home yeah
1: they have so many cool things that you don't get
0: so good i i really liked in from a highlights in the photos that i saw the a 35 amg mercedes sure yeah there's just that little hot hatch for me is you yeah know, a love affair that i have um what about the biggest tease of the show so anything that you saw that you knew or know we aren't going to get here like what was i mean obviously that peugeot what was the name of it again
1: it was called the e-legend the e-legend but it's just a concept yeah
0: yeah so what a, what a, what more from a, an actual production standpoint did you see that you uh... wish that we could have back here
1: Well, I know we're going to get it, but I think they're already sold out. So the 911 Speedster. Oh. So up until the Paris Motor Show, it was a concept. But at the show, they basically said, hey, we got really good response. So we're going to make this a production car. Wow. And at that moment, they probably instantly sold out. So I'll never get to see one or drive (laughs) one. So I'm really salty about that. But uh, that was something really cool that happened at the show.
0: Yeah, that the whole Speedster style. And so just so I'm correct in it. And I will say this and forgo any of my ego but uh that the speedster is the uh roofless chopped windshield um 911 yes yes okay
1: yeah and it has a whole bunch of different things that make it very special and it's okay very expensive so I mean like if you're gonna charge that much money for a 911 you might as well make it really special yeah, yeah. have you
0: driven the 911t
1: no the new one no but sammy has oh, uh, and man. he loved it yeah he thought man. it was just so much fun which is like 911s are great but they're not fun yeah right and yeah. so he thought this 911 t was really cool because it brought back that fun kind of bubbly personality
0: that's what i've heard about it i've heard i mean i wish i just had that money floating around i could just grab oh, one and so sit nice. on it and yeah. you know it'd be certainly one of those investment cars um yeah that just reminded me when you said that i was like the 911 t i saw a yellow one parked in an underground the other day and it was like i know it was at the airport and i walked by and kind of did a double take I was like that person really knows what they're doing you know, yeah it's a great choice it's
1: definitely like an enthusiast car it's yeah kind of the purest choice yeah uh the one sammy had had like a seven speed manual which is so fun wow seven yeah. speed manual
0: okay i've definitely never driven they're a so seven weird. speed manual um hmm. we talked about the manufacturers that didn't make it there and what that kind of means um uh c-series wagon right no that was in Right. That was in conjunction with what we're not going to get. Right.
1: Lots of wagons. <laughs> um,
0: so many amazing wagons. I'm, I'm, I swear, though, and I'll, I'll say this on the air, on record for everyone. If we can all, as marketers and, and promoters of the, both the brand and automotive in general in Canada... If we can just stop calling them wagons for the sake of all the people who have this preconceived notion of them being wagons and the name being a wagon, I think and we just keep cool saying, thing. and we just keep saying SUV. No, they're just SUVs. It's just an SUV. Oh no, now it's, it's a, it's a sportback. Yeah. It's a sportback crossover. Let's just confuse everybody until they're all wagons and we're all happy yeah, and we I can think, go, oh no, it's, it guys, we're it was it was a wagon the whole time. That's
1: happening already. <laughs> I know. Like nobody wants to call a wagon a wagon. And yeah. I, I think a wagon is cool. Like I maybe love it's just because wagons. I'm I actually think they're having a comeback right now. Yeah. So I'm seeing more and more of them on the roads. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people who are our age are nostalgic for wagons because our parents yeah. drove wagons mm-hmm. and I don't know, I I don't really want to cross over. No. Maybe because I think that's become kind of uncool now yeah, because like people's the, parents drive them. It's becoming them. a minivan. Yeah, and right? And we're like,
0: I would, yeah, there's a lot of things I would do in life before owning a minivan. For
1: sure. But, you and, know.
0: But you're right. I think it is. It's nostalgic for us. They're it's so
1: practical. They drive well. And nobody calls it a wagon. So, like, no. uh, Volvo doesn't call it a wagon. They call it the V, the V60. Right. Yeah. Uh, the Buick Regal Tour X, they call it a Tour X, not mm-hmm, a wagon. Mm-hmm. Uh, sport Tur- Turismo. Is that what the Porsche sp- calls sport it? Sport Turismo yeah. is the
0: beautiful shooting break, as yes, they like exactly. to call it. You know, like yeah, how there's elegant. There's so
1: many names for wagon The
0: BMW Touring, which is their wagon, yep. you know, like, yeah, there's. We can call it whatever we want. I love wagons and I, I always wagons. will. Um we should start a website that's just called wagonlove.com. That's a hill um, <laughs> I will die on. <laughs> me too. My love for wagons. <laughs> yeah. And then you just add, you know, add a whole bunch of power to them. And that's why like an RS six wagon to me is that's kind of the punctuation point right. in that category. And that's
1: also something we don't get. So yeah. boo
0: Yeah, I know. I'd take an RS seven as a you know, as a in between. Lift back yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a halfway. Lift. Yeah. Still super useful, <laughs> which I like. Um, I mean we have a we have a, an outback as one of our family and that's a wagon.
1: Just it is a, a wagon, just a jacked up Lifty wagon wagon.
0: And then the STI, which I wish was a wagon, like the Lavorgue in Japan, but I digress. Right. <laughs> um electrification at the show was there a huge presence like what did you see this year? always every
1: show there's more and more electric cars yeah uh and europe has a lot of cool ones we don't get like renault zoe it's just a little tiny hatchback okay electric super cute um that peugeot concept was also electric Mm -hmm. um tons of stuff it's really hard to get away from that that's just where the industry is going right and i think that's a good thing too i'm I'm all for it
0: were you seeing more of the electrified part of automotive on the pedestal this year than non-electric like have we crossed crossed the threshold do you think to Um, between electric and non-electric or just hybrid and electric versus non-electric
1: i'm not sure if it's an even split yet i think hybrids are still really strong because it's the best of both worlds really and i think Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of the middle ground to get people more used to the idea of electrification yep um i still think people are really afraid of electric cars for mm-hmm. some reason i guess the range anxiety and stuff like that yeah
0: i think that's that's really the big one is yeah range anxiety
1: but i feel like most people don't drive that much during the day anyway so yeah. it should be fine um there and was like a with lot teslas
0: of... they're doing all the math for you when you get in the car like you want to go point a to point b well you have to stop here then exactly and yeah i didn't realize that until i'd experienced it recently with my with my one of my colleagues but I think that it's being mitigated really well.
1: At least Tesla's doing it really well. Yeah, I mean, like, charging is getting faster and faster. Batteries are getting bigger. The prices of EVs are coming down, too, which I think was a really hard stopping point for some people because they were expensive, right? Um, And now that the subsidies are drying up and all that, it gets even harder. But there's other perks to having an EV, like you can use the HOV lane.
0: Uh-huh. They don't all have to look like the Mitsubishi IM EV. That was awful. Wow.
1: (laughs) We have come such a long way from yeah. that awful, awful car. Yeah.
0: I you think, know what? Well, it's, it's funny at the same time that like the Leaf, I, I worked on the introduction of the Nissan Leaf into Canada. Mm-hmm. And I still feel like that design, that body style was not the worst thing for the industry at its introduction. But yet it was, you know, it was a real ugly duckling.
1: I think besides the fact of it being ugly, it was also really slow. Yeah. And it just wasn't any fun. And so I think the Leaf was great. The Leaf yeah. looked kind of cool. It was fun to drive. It was yeah. relatively normal. Like you could fit yeah. in in traffic without people giving you side eye. <laughs> it was cool
0: tech and the interior was nice. Have yeah. you driven a mo- like a, a modern one? <laughs> it's like we've been around for that long. I've driven but,
1: both generations of Leaf. Yeah. Okay. And they're great.
0: I haven't driven a current gen or whatever the most recent one is. Right. I'd love to actually get back into one again. And I can't believe I'm saying that, but I, I it would It has
1: a lot going for it. There's yeah. no shame in it. It's, yeah. it's a great little car.
0: I, if I could turn over completely too, and maybe I will have to, or I'll be free to do so soon, which is change up the, the two cars that I have mm-hmm. now into something completely different. Um, E-Golf? What do you think about E-Golf?
1: I haven't driven the E-Golf, um, but <clears throat> it's... I've heard really, really good things. Yeah, You know what you should drive though? You should try at least is the Eye pace the Jaguar. Oh my God, yeah. Oh, I would yeah. love to. Yeah, It looks so cool and it it's looks so good. fast. It drives so nicely.
0: I read someone's, I want to say that I read, I, I mean, maybe it's just because I was listening to their show. I thought it was Benjamin Hunting did a review on the Eye pace No, maybe it was somebody else. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, but uh, <laughs> when they talked about it and its comparative Kind of position to uh, a tesla mm-hmm. and that there's still no comparison when it comes to tesla's you know the um, kind of their standardization for their own cars at least for charging that some of the interface and just some of the like fit and finish um, that tesla i guess is leaps and bounds ahead but the ipace is everything that you want and it's a i think it's a signal for change to what's to come from jeg and land rover exactly yeah and if that's their first real you know horse out of the gate then they're gonna be well off it's when a they great introduce... product
1: and i think they already uh hinted that they might become a fully electric company one day
0: wow yeah i mean you know what I'm all for it. I want to see the progression that happens. I just don't want to lose my ability to still have a car that runs on gas. (laughs) I think
1: it'll always be both. Yeah. Like even... So like this, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but like... So riding horses used to be how we got around. Yes. Right? Yes. (laughs) And now people still ride horses just not to get around. They just do it for fun. Totally. And it's like a status symbol, you know, to have a horse. And Mm -hmm. I think eventually, you know internal combustion cars will have that same pathway. I completely
0: agree. You know what? It's <laughs> funny. Great minds think alike is that I've used that analogy a few times when describing that it'll, you know, it, it'll it be going to a country club will be to go drive your petroleum fuel. Exactly. Car, you'll go to the track. Y'all have, everybody has to wear tweed and wear a paper boy cap and, <laughs> and <laughs> it'll eventually get there. But, One day. Um, the other side effect to a, like kind of, actually switching gears a bit into a few of the other topics i wanted to talk about um is the idea of autonomy and how we know that there's electrification we know that there's you know kind of the hybridization of of a lot of the different fuel sources um i mean i think i don't know why we're not seeing more um diesel electric hybrid like those things would just go forever literally Mm -hmm. um i Still don't understand, maybe somebody can tell me why that doesn't exist in um, a larger scale or um, on a commercial side. But then you go into the world of autonomy as well. I like the world of autonomy because if everybody's using autonomous cars and they're filling the roads with the common routes that are going to be taken, it's gonna leave all the great side roads and back roads for people (laughs) that just wanna drive and don't actually have an autonomous function.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: And maybe it'll leave some new roads for us to be able to go and adventure on again. But anyways, um, from an autonomous perspective, was there anything interesting or anything of note at the Paris Motor Show from the autonomy side of the the game?
1: I think every concept car that comes out now is a electric and fully autonomous. <laughs> um, there's right. no escaping that. So, you know, they all have the steering wheel that retracts into the mm-hmm. dashboard when you don't need it. Mm-hmm. The other thing we're seeing a lot of is just... Giant like bus like concepts that look like living rooms inside and they're fully autonomous. Just
0: big people movers Yeah,
1: just big right. old people movers and they look like yeah. little lounges like no, you know, lazy board chairs and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, I don't know if that is how autonomy is gonna make it big I think people just don't want to commute to work every day. They don't want to drive right but anyone who can afford autonomy isn't gonna take the bus they yeah, just want their point. own yeah. spot. They just want their own space to do yeah. their own stuff, right? Like you right. want to limit your interaction with other humans, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Um, so I'm not sure where, you know, public transportation and autonomy is going. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right now everyone just wants their own little working space to take a nap or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you're, you know, the little working space that you can yeah. personalize if you have the luxury of, being able to use like a car service that's autonomous or a subscription service that's making autonomous available for you, Um, you get your own little customized space. And I think the customization of that will probably be an opportunity where, you know,
1: it'll be a big selling point for sure. But I don't think autonomous cars are going to alleviate traffic in any way. No, because nobody wants to do public transit. You want your own space, Right.
0: right? Do you think, um, I mean, we're really like diving deep into it, but I like it is that, do you think, or did you see maybe in Paris either um, the size and scale of autonomous vehicles starting to shrink? Like it would make sense if manufacturers decided that vehicles are typically only occupied by one person anyways. So let's shrink these down. And so the next Volvo that comes out is, Um, you know, a third the size of the cars that they're making today. And, um, you know, that's just your commuter model or whatever it ends up being. And you can put five times as many vehicles or people on the road at the same time for all that crazy commuting traffic. And then maybe you have a car hire service that can take four passengers that you have on the weekends or something like that.
1: We haven't seen a lot of that yet because I think it's too extreme and people aren't ready for it. (laughs) Yeah, it is extreme. And so a lot of automakers are using like mobility as a big buzzword right now and like you can't get away from it. But um, when it comes to mobility solutions, a lot of people are like, oh, scooters you know Mm -hmm. bird scooters are the next big thing (laughs) like Like, nobody just wants like a little pod just to stand in all by yourself it's just it's too far-fetched right now i think eventually it'll it'll go there but i think there's a lot of time um until we get there (laughs) yeah
0: yeah it's just always seems like such a shame you go out and you go north on the dvp and you just look around and every thing i mean i'm so guilty of it i'm so guilty of it but everybody's alone in the car and I love it. I love being alone in the car. It's one of the most peaceful places that I find that I can like think and process things and not be bothered. Listen to podcasts. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, autonomy is not going away. I-, I want to get to L.A. this year because I find that the show in L.A. also has a pretty decent contingent of what's happening from a technology standpoint, just from mm-hmm. proximity. Because um, I want to see what's happening there. Um,
1: L.A. is a big one.
0: Yeah, LA's a... Yeah. Be and because
1: everyone drives in LA too. It's like it's a big show for the media and for consumers.
0: Yeah, you can't get anywhere in LA without driving. Exactly. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so moving into also another topic that this hits on, which we kind of touched on a bit, which is the subscription model. And so these days, I think it was maybe three days ago, Volvo introduced Care by Volvo in Canada. It was already av- available in the US. Mm-hmm. And so that's their subscription based model. Um, it's about a thousand bucks a month for either a V60 or an XC60, I think. You can, anybody listening can tell me if I'm wrong. And that includes maintenance, um, all of the upkeep of the vehicle um, over the course of um, 24 months, I think, is your, you have to sign up for if you pass their credit check. After 12 months, you can switch out of their vehicle. Um, in Canada, you get winter tires with that. In the US, you get insurance with that but not in Canada. So looking at that just as an idea, um, we were talking about it before we started recording. A company um, called fair.com out of uh, the US, predominantly California, is doing a really cool job of subscription model. Um, I haven't spoken to anyone who actually has used it, so it's hard for me to have much more of a perspective than what they put on their website and they advertise with, which looks very dreamy. (laughs) It's like basically pick up a phone, take a photo of your driver's license, pass the credit score, it may have an, an adequate credit score, uh, and all of a sudden a vehicle arrives in a couple of days at your home. Uh, it's a vehicle of your choice that they help you determine based on your credit score. I think the premise is that vehicles that you couldn't afford based on your credit score don't even show up in your search criteria. Interesting. Which I think there's a weird selective nature of of doing business like that in the first place, but you know, maybe it's better for everyone hoping to uh, protect the credit bubble. Um, So these things are starting to become more and more prevalent and I think it's a really great idea. Um, I I don't know if I would use it, it'd be hard to pry me away from the traditional model now, but to be honest, leasing a vehicle isn't all that different in the first place. Um, I think the subscription model just rolls in maintenance and some of the other costs that some leases are starting to do anyways. Um, but it, I, th- I think the real perk is on the um, like the, the vehicle choice side. And so if you want something different, you can get something different. You're not locked into a long-term contract with a lease. So what's your take on it?
1: I think it's smart. Uh, it, it just makes a lot of sense to bundle everything. I think people are really into having... Uh, one-stop solution for their car needs, although I think the pricing is way off. Yeah. It's just everyone that I've seen so far has been way too expensive uh-huh. or it's been way too limiting in the types of cars you can get. So I know Lexus is about to roll out a similar um, subscription service, but right now you can only get it for the UX, which is their new like subcombat crossover.
0: The UX? Yeah. Oh, this is new to me. I don't know about this. Yeah, I so it's it's, it uh,
1: it's based on the CHR platform. Okay. So yeah. it's that kind of that size, mm-hmm, so smaller mm-hmm. than the NX, and it'll be the most affordable way to get into a Lexus. Hmm. But but the pricing hasn't been released yet, but I am kind of thinking it might be too much already. Huh.
0: And, and that is on a subscription model for that one?
1: Yeah. Huh. They're doing a pilot project in like certain cities just to see if it'll work. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think I like the idea. It just has to be more affordable.
0: Yeah, because I, I think if we can find a way to uh, tackle the affordability side of it, um keep the keep the choice side of it in mm-hmm. terms of what you might be able to access like if you really want something fun you want to go out on the weekend i say the weekend you want to go out and <laughs> and have fun with a sports car yeah but then 3 days later the practical side of you needs a minivan dare i say it um and having the flexibility to be able to rotate in and out of all of those different vehicles is to me the real appeal of a subscription model <laughs> but then me. you like find this weird in between, which was kind of like AutoShare and Zipcar, mm-hmm. like well, that's kind of what those were like. But I had kind to go of. to them, so eliminate all of that and just make them come to me all of the time. That feels like a solution that Zipcar and um, you know uh, yeah. or AutoShare should have probably had.
1: But then that's a harder way to keep the cost down as well. Like if you have a delivery service, yeah. that'll jack up the price of that for sure. Right. Um, but I think Cadillac. Also has a subscription service they're testing out where you have access to the whole lineup of cars. Yeah, uh, and I believe Porsche does as well. Right, but of course it's ridiculously expensive. Yeah, Porsches is crazy. Yeah. I saw
0: that. Well, and so GM has Maven, which is like their version of Auto Share, mm-hmm. um, and it's only new GM products. But I think there's some Cadillacs that are starting to make their way into that. Um, yeah, I, I think they're. I think to be honest, right now they're all being kind of dressed up as leases. I mean, sorry, they're being dressed, their lease is being dressed up as subscription model. Yeah, with like just a couple extra things yeah. thrown in, right? Brought to you by the world's most groundbreaking yeah. mobility company. Yeah, Thanks I know. Guys. There's we so many buzzwords. <laughs> everyone there. just
1: saw Netflix and like, everyone subscribes to Netflix. How can we recreate yeah. that? Yeah. Like, it's not that easy. No, it's not. Because Netflix is cheap and it offers you like endless options. And yeah. I think that's something that a lot of the auto people just can't wrap their heads around right no. now
0: you know what, here's the solution. I mean, and again, anybody listening can take this. <laughs> Cut me in, give me like some sort of royalty on it. No, it's already been figured out. I know that, but the, um, you know, a great solution to it all is just the world of autonomy and ride sharing and ride hailing from that world is that there doesn't need to be anybody in the car. It's just, it's finding its way to you in unusable hours of its normally right. productive day. And it becomes like the Uber. I mean, I, I in this uh, Auto Trader Carology conference that I've been um, speaking engagement that I've been working on, um, we talk a lot about companies like Waymo, um, and then what Uber and Lyft are doing, and the investments being made from manufacturers into that company. And actually, speaking of the iPace, Waymo, and iPace and Jag together, you know, it's like this, like you know billion billions of dollars in a deal just to have about 20,000 um they want to have 20,000 of their own autonomous vehicles in their ride sharing program that'll launch in 2020 and i think the ipace is one of the first out of the gate that they are going to be partnered with to build the offer up as part of their service
1: cool
0: and they're one of the front runners in autonomous vehicle research yet they're not a manufacturer which i think is fascinating
1: yeah, I mean, I think that it's smart. Yeah, It's it's really, this kind of stuff is really hard for automobile manufacturers just to wrap their head around because they've been focusing on other things for so long. And it's <laughs> yeah. really hard for them to make that shift.
0: Right. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but manufacturers were ha- having a hard time getting their navigation systems to work properly. Yes. Let alone becoming, you know, one of the front runners in, you know, in, in actual app-based transportation. Yeah. So which is why I'm just happy to see CarPlay and Android Auto integrated into everything that we drive today. Yeah. Like, stop trying to figure out GPS. You guys don't need to figure it out. It's already happened. Yeah, it's <laughs> just...
1: annoying that every car manufacturer has their own system that works differently from all other systems, and nobody wants that system. It's so, so unnecessary. Uh, I know. Yeah,
0: it's so unnecessary. I know.
1: Infotainment is one of my biggest issues right now with how things are being done.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah even like latency on screens right like we we expect the apple experience or the smartphone experience exactly. of like of instant touch and instant gratification and when you go to a, a brand new car's infotainment system and you're touching or trying to like yeah. pinch like scroll, or you have to use like, a
1: little knob to control it doing this
0: oh my god on in the mercedes van it was an nv 2500 i think it was these two mercedes diesel vans we rented when we were in france cool I don't know what Mercedes their infotainment system setup is called. The command. But they've got their the gesture-based little yeah. thing that you can draw the on. And yeah. I'm and Courtney is in the back, like, oh, you can you actually get to like draw the the letters or symbols that you want on the screen. I tried it like six times just to do a C, and every time I failed.
1: I know. It happens. I mean, it takes uh, some training, I'm sure, but still. It, it's really annoying. I think I experienced the system like that recently in, in Audi, no, in Acura. Okay. And so they ha- they also have a new touchpad system where you can draw in letters. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to type in like 111 and I just thought it was LLL. <laughs> and then I tried to delete it by doing like a side swipe, but it just yeah. thought it was a dash. Right, and, and so it like just the Roman a big, numeral for three. Yeah, and it was four. just <laughs> such a big disaster. Like, why don't just give me a touchscreen? It would work so much easier. Right. Or at least a, like a voice recognition system that yes. operates like a Siri or a Google Assistant yeah. where you don't have to say like a set phrase Mm -hmm. to trigger it Mm
0: -hmm. i'm i'm with you on that it just came to mind do you think that all that touch or gesture based interface is is partially because they're trying to make that an international interface so it doesn't have to be english-based um type or symbols
1: um i don't know because you can change the keyboard in any infotainment system Mm -hmm. to be your native language
0: yeah just thinking for like ease of input. I don't know. Well, because
1: they're hoping that you don't have to lean forward to touch the (laughs) touchscreen, that you can keep your eyes on the road and use this little knob or touchpad and keep your eyes on the road. But it doesn't work like that because you still have to look at the screen. It
0: doesn't. And then when it's wrong six times in a row, you get frustrated. Yeah. You drive the car off the road. Drive
1: it off a bridge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, What did we have? Last. Okay, well, this is kind of second last. Um, Or Actually, no, you know what? I think we're going to, we're gonna finish up with what's in store for Auto Guide this year. So are there any highlights or teasers we should stay tuned for? Is there anything to be looking out for? Like what's on the what's on the horizon for winter twenty eighteen for Auto Guide and for you, Jody?
1: Okay, so we're we're coming up to the end of the year, which seems like way too quick. This mm-hmm. year just flew by. Mm-hmm. But we're starting to think about our car of the year and stuff like that. And so so when I'm When does that come out? Uh, it should come out in December, actually, but oh, wow. we're going to start okay. testing and filming in late, sorry, early November. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and so there's a lot of interesting frontrunners this year, and I'm also part of the North American Car of the Year jury, mm-hmm. and so a lot of our choices like overlap a lot, uh, so it should be an interesting year. I think um, the Genesis G70 has a really strong shot. Mm-hmm. Um the Jaguar I-Pace also. Um we also really loved the Hyundai Kona. The
0: surprisingly. Kona? Yeah, it's their Wait, new the
1: subcompact crossover.
0: Oh, okay, right. Yes. Yeah, so it's
1: that funky looking one. Right. Uh, is
0: that competitive with like a Nissan Kicks like yes, that kind of yeah. Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh gotcha. the Kicks is also really good. It's been a really interesting year for crossovers, but in the car side of things, there's not much going on. Mm.
0: That's too bad. I mean, it just goes to show where the emphasis is being put. That's just
1: where the market is going, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, What about... What about like kind of bucket list? Are you doing any fun like travel stuff, going anywhere, doing anything, going to places that you've wanted to go for a long time?
1: Uh, yeah, this year I recently got to go to Sweden for the first time. So I got to nice. spend some time in Stockholm, which was amazing. And speaking of our love for wagons, like everyone drives a wagon there. <laughs> and so it was great. Are they
0: all Volvo wagons? Like, no, is that all types of different okay. wagons. They just, right.
1: they're just very sensible people. You know just like us yeah but yeah so i was there to drive the ux that new lexus oh cool yeah
0: when can we read about the ux i'm actually Uh, the story's already out it is okay the
1: story's out i shot i shot a quick video while i was there so that's also out nice um what other bucket list stuff have i done i drove a mclaren for the first time this year which was also kind of on my bucket list
0: 570
1: uh, the 720 actually. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh my God. It was magical. <laughs> I only had it for three wow. days. So I have to thank Lawrence Yap for that. Oh, wow. Um, but it was, it was incredible.
0: Yeah. Is it everything everyone makes it out to be?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, it's just so dramatic and so purpose built. Like everything is just for your drive, yeah, like the the steering wheel has no buttons on it. It's just everything is set up. It's just so pure, Crazy. and I loved it. And it's just so dramatic, and nobody knows what it is, but it's it's dope.
0: Right. It's just it's What a what a funny world to be able to place what you're driving today I versus know. the 720. It's be been like, a good mm. year. <laughs> I'm like these are two really good cars to be able to put on my list um
1: and they're totally opposite too that's why i love them they're like two completely different ends of the spectrum but they're still cars i love like equally you know
0: i feel like you kind of want to have both of them in your garage yeah i mean these are really two different different occasions i'm going to take these out for for sure (laughs) um what about places to travel do you have any fun stuff on the list coming up for um like press trips
1: i don't have any big ones planned Mm -hmm. I actually cut down a lot because things just get too busy when I'm not here. I bet. Um, But I don't know, in terms of vacation, I might try to go to Jordan in 2020. What? Oh, nice. Yeah, so that should be kind of fun.
0: Um, I meant to say when we were talking about France is I was... Where we stayed, we went down to near Avignon. um, Oh, sorry, north of Avignon by about uh, an hour. And a little town called LS, uh, LS and... When I was researching it, of course, I'm researching like, are there race tracks around? Right. And lo and behold, there's a place called Pole Mechanique, and oh. so I had set up um, an opportunity for a, a potential afternoon, just kind of put it on hold. Um, it was a afternoon to be able to take out a track-prepped Peugeot 206, <gasps> just like you know, with like sticky tires, caged, fun. just fun to be able to go out. Um, two days prior. Um, it was forecasted to rain and so i talked to the guys and they're like we well, can't you can't go out um when we get with, we get the rain that we're expecting to get that's heartbreaking it ended up raining it was totally fine um i was able to take my son and two of my nephews and my niece my brother-in-law still we went there and they were running um they were running there was two days after that actually and they were running um super bikes
1: that's cool. And
0: I also realized that the French really love motorcycles. They're crazy. Um, but if you ever get a chance to, that track is so gorgeous. I mean, everything about it's a tight, small track, but it's so beautiful and so modern. And uh, on the way out, there was a big Catarum building, well, a medium sized Catarum building. <laughs> I was like, that's weird. I've never seen one of those around. Yeah. And
1: it's
0: oddly positioned right at the edge of the racetrack.
1: Of course, it and is. so
0: we pulled up beside it, and I was driving, and I leaned over my brother-in-law, and I'm taking pictures out the window because the the garage, sorry, the uh, the shop door was open like six inches, so I was trying to take photos. I <laughs> could see cars in there, and this guy comes running. He's like, "No, no, 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 no photos, no, no photos!" And he gets up and then starts laughing. He goes, "Do you want to come in?"
1: <laughs> oh wow! So
0: I got a couple of really great photos inside, and it turns out that it's um, a bit of a. Uh, Proving ground for them, so they use it because it's such a tight track and um, what they're building. I got some great photos of the cars that were in there, and it was just so nice. The guy he actually only spoke Italian, oh. um, and he said, "Come, look, you know, whatever you want to take, take photos." And so I took a few photos and walked through came back out and sat back down i was like that's why it's like people who they know that you appreciate cars as much as you do to come in and be, have that just like you know honest hospitality was that's so nice so
1: cool what a cool it was, experience it was
0: very cool i mean i really wish that i'd driven while i was there but next time this um, was a good
1: consolation prize it's it was good it's a good <laughs> consolation
0: especially on that day too. exactly it felt good um okay so um in terms of where everyone can find you so um facebook Instagram, Twitter, get, maybe throw out like the auto guide ones, um, or sure. wherever you want people to find you. Sure. Or, or so I publish
1: all my writing on autoguide.com. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter at driving miss Jody. It's Jody with an I uh, and on Instagram. You can find me at miss underscore Jody Lye. Uh, and you will see no car stuff or very little car stuff on my Instagram. <laughs> so I true. keep things very separate that way. You do, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. that's pretty much it.
0: That's very cool. Yeah. Um, well, Jody, thank you so, so much for coming back. Thanks for having um, me. We've got lots of fun stuff coming up this season. I hope that I can have you back this season again, too, if our I'd schedules all align. I'd love to. Um, And keep me in the know. Um, I'm going to go outside with you to listen to and start up the Hellcat. And so hopefully at the beginning of this episode, I'll be able to play a little sound clip of it firing up so everybody can hear the beauty that is the Hellcat. Um, But stay tuned for everything on the bucket seat. It's going to be a great season. Um, Stay tuned with what Jody's up to. And again, thank you for being here on the show tonight with us. Um, I will be back with episode 52 and probably all the way to 56 this season. Um, if you have any requests or any questions, you can contact me at Trevor at the on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter at the seat. So subscribe, rate, do all those fun things for me, everyone. It helps, um, tremendously in the ratings and until next time. Thanks guys.